Hey podcast, today I've got Matt Simmons on. Now Matt's a pro mountain biker and now skills coach. Now today we're going to be talking all things improving your skills, confidence and technique on the bike. So Matt started off in downhill, then he transitioned to racing the EWS and now he's launched his own coaching business as well. So I thought it'd be nice if you could start Matt by just telling us about the last 14 years of going from starting your mountain bike career to where you are today. Hey, uh, yeah. Thanks for having us on, Matt. Um, yeah, so a wee lad at 14, I suppose, um, was playing around on a BMX and just in the local woods. Uh, a, a chap who is now a really good friend uh, rode past on an orange triple two at the time, um, which some people may know what the bike is. And yeah. Um, yeah, seeing a big suspension, big downhill bike was like, oh, what, what do you use that for? And he said, oh, I, I race down the side of hillsides, down the side of mountains. And I was like, that sounds a great sport. And um, got to know him over the next few weeks. He'd always come and play around on some of the jumps that I built uh, for me and friends in the local area. And yeah. um, he invited me to actually go and watch one of the races that he was taking part in, which at the time he didn't have to do, which was very kind of him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, parents kind of agreed. Yeah, you can go along with this random chap you only just met. Go to the van. Yeah, and um, yeah, as soon as I seen a race and the the whole discipline of racing downhill and um, riding that type of uh, discipline, I just wanted to have a go, and it kind of just snowballed from there. Really, um, a few I say a month, a few months later, after saving up several paper rounds, morning, <laughs> evening, uh, begging my older brother to give me a bit of money to help buy <laughs> my first uh, first suspension bike, which I think is a Claude Butler. Oh, okay, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. But that was all I needed, rather than a BMX, just a, a mountain bike, which, yeah. um, again, you can, it goes to show what you can ride. That was at a place called Eastridge. Yeah. Which, um, back in the day, that was a big downhill place, but now people are riding it on uh, trail bikes because it's more of an XE-type trail centre uh, yeah. place. So, yeah, kind of took off from there, really. Um, that winter, I think it was 2001, I kind of entered my first winter series with the Pierce Cycles and um, as a juvenile. And uh, it just kept snowballing from there. Um, my dad was quite, quite uh, my dad was into it, something different. Both of my brothers were into football. Um, cycling was something new for us both. Yeah. And, um, yeah, went from there. Um I then probably raced up and down the country for, I'd say, a couple of years, um, just kind of learning the craft of racing, learning uh, what the tracks were like, um, what I needed to do technically-wise. Um, did I need a better bike, say? That was the next thing, was, like, oh, I need maybe need a full suspension bike down. <laughs> so there I was kind of prodding for that, the following Christmas. Um, yeah. And then I can remember I'd always buy like you know the MBR magazines, MBUK, Dirt Mag. I'd always yeah. buy them as a kid, kind of save up your pocket money to go and uh, go and get a mag. And Scott were actually doing a competition where you could go and apply to be on their team. And I think Will Longdon was kind of heading it up at the time. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, that sounds great. Get try and get my first kind of team deal. So there, me and my dad went off up to Hampstead, I think it was. And uh, you had to do a tryout. You had to race the other kids. Okay. Uh, I can remember being super nervous, but 
How old were you for this? What's that? How old were you for this? Um, probably maybe 15, 16. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so youth. youth yeah, so yeah, youth. And then, um, yeah, kind of was lucky to have got picked um, for a year, riding for Scott and the MUK team. We would, we would get bikes and kit, and then at the races, you'd get the help and the, the knowledge of, say, Will. Uh, he'd be the team manager. He'd be there racing himself at elite level. Okay. Um, there'd be a mechanic that would help him, and then if anything you needed doing, obviously my, my dad at the time, he was kind of, he'd call himself a, a chauffeur, taxi driver <laughs> as such. Like I, I tried to do a lot of the work on my bike as well. So then I, I kind of knew what was going on with my own bike. Yeah. And then um, every week I'd give it a new spray job sometimes. <laughs> Get the spray can out. Um, but yeah, it went from there really. I kind of was then on, on, on that team for a year and started to get some good results uh, and progress then onto Muddy Fox, which at the time okay. uh, the family, the Aftons, were on. Yeah. Um, I got to travel with them quite a bit um, over the next couple of years and kind of learned from them, which again, if you can ride with faster riders, um, that's only going to pull you up and make yeah. you a better rider. Um, yeah. Got to see a lot of the world. Uh racing with them guys as a junior and then, it, then whew, trying to think now what when it was pretty 2008 i think chain reaction cycles i know well just before that i rode for uh, a uk brand called ancelotti bill henson was uh, a distributor in the uk he supported us for a year that was just sort of leaving school so that was kind of my first pro deal actually um was leaving obviously what he's 16 leaving school was kind of like, oh, what do I want to do? Um, ride my bike, of course. <laughs> many kids want to do, you don't want to get a real job. Um, obviously, pressure from parents and stuff. You, you've got to bring in your, your bread, haven't you? So, um, yeah. There I was. The guy who actually got me into the riding, the one who showed me the downhill racing, he took me on working with him. So, oh, okay. he, was a win- he was a window cleaner. And, uh, that allowed me to do a couple of days a week window cleaning. Oh, perfect! And then, um, and then I would go and uh, ride again. We'd get like half through the day, and he'd be like, "Oh, should we go and do a few runs somewhere?" And I'd be like, oh yeah! <laughs> so, <laughs> so then we'd go. Off. Again, it was kind of just helping me. Just more time spent practicing your discipline. Yeah, it, it, it just keeps building you and building you more confidence. And more time racecraft, yeah, things like that. So um, that was great. Um, but then obviously, yeah, the Ancelotti uh, uh, team come about. They kind of pumped in a little bit of money, which means I could survive, pay my board, and uh, and get racing. Uh, and okay. It kind of snowballed from there. And then Chain Reaction Cycles was starting their own team, 2008, um, which was I was with them for six years, which is probably the longest I've been on on a team. And um, it was really cool, to be fair. Nigel Page gives a great opportunity and the guys at Chain Reaction. Um, we went from riding for intense bikes, then we went for building our own bikes uh, with Nuke Proof. Um, so that kind of started the whole development thing. Um, yeah. And that's what I was quite excited to do and kind of get my teeth into, really, is a bit more learning how the bikes worked 
and how we can make them better. Um, and that's that's kind of progressed now with some of the brands that I'm working with, say Privateer, Mudhugger, um, more the R&D for them. Um, so yeah, six years with them, moved over to Madison in 2013, end of 2013. Um, four years with Madison, had my first uh, podium at a World Cup elite level uh, over in France, which is How did that a, feel? a goal. What's that? How did that feel? <laughs> Pretty damn good. I mean, um, <laughs> as a coming from, say, a juvenile, a youth, I thought, well, I'm just enjoying it and I'm just enjoying riding my bike. Let's see where this gets me, shall we say. Um, to then making a little bit of money and getting by and then it becoming your job for the last 12 to 14 years. Yeah. Um, and with the, the, the goal in mind of winning a World Cup, to, to come second, it's close enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it felt amazing, to be honest. Um, well, now wife was out there and the team. It was, it was the last World Cup of the year, 2014. Um, we were heading into World Champs the week, a week later. So... Um, We'll talk a little bit more about this later on, maybe. But um, I kind of set I'd set that year as trying to become world champ. So setting goals okay. was quite a big thing that year. And to, to knock that one off, get a podium, we were all pretty ecstatic on on the team. And, and yeah, yeah, it was a big party in France that evening. <laughs> and, uh, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Four years with Madison, and then moved over to Cannondale, which. Um, was kind of then I changed disciplines, moved over to the EWS, which yeah. for some of your listeners, the downhill is obviously you get a ski lift up, um, you come down A to B, maybe longest five minutes long. Uh, yeah. the EWS is over, well, it's four days. You do two days training, two days racing, stage races. Uh, you have to pedal back up so it's not lift assisted. Um, yeah. So I moved over to that discipline for a year, but in the back of uh, our plan for Cannondale was the prototype and working with a new downhill program. Okay. So um, a lot of people thought it was changing disciplines as such, but it wasn't, the bike just wasn't ready for us to get testing. So I thought, well, myself and uh, Dan, the manager at the time, was like, well, give EWS a go, keep your fitness there. And yeah. um, and then in in the meantime, we can dip in and out of testing some other brands and uh, getting ready for when this downhill bike's ready, which was the following year, 2019. And then, um, yeah, had a year spent with Cannondale uh, developing this new uh, twin shock uh, bike. And uh, myself, Tom Duncan, uh, my mechanic, a hell of a project to have worked on. Um, yeah, learned so much and... Yeah, just a great year, really. Shame. Had a few big crashes last year. Uh, <laughs> broke broken eye socket and a few other things, but uh, nice. several concussions. But um, the speed now that the World Cup guys are going, it's, um, it's pretty Ridiculous, fast. isn't it? Ridiculous, is it there, is, yeah. So, is uh, there a big difference between the speeds now compared to the speeds when you started 14 years ago? Is it like double the speed? or? <laughs> it feels like that, but maybe I'm just getting older. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i mean for i guess for the telly and for red bull 
It does look better. I mean, you watched the World Cup in Leger last year, and I think the average speed was it's between 20, 30 mile an hour. And yeah. It felt fast when you were riding down, down a ski piece. But yeah, uh, yeah. it looks really cool. But then if you have a crash, it's going to be yeah, a serious. Isn't it? And um, they were a bit more technical back in the day, I'd say. A bit slower. Okay. Classic bikes now, wheel size is getting bigger. Um, yeah. yeah, if you tried to ride something too tight and technical now, it'd feel pretty awkward, I'd say. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it's definitely increased. Um, and then the younger guys coming through now, they've got a bit different technique, I'd say, um, to a few of the older guys. But, I mean, Greg is still, Manar, still keeping yeah. the dream alive for the older boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's pretty much where we're at now. And then... Um, Finished with Cannondale. The project, unfortunately, uh, got shelved for the meantime. Who knows? It might come back. But, um, yeah, that left me kind of wondering where do I go next with my, myself. And, um, yeah, decided. I mean, I, I've been coaching 2010, I think it was. Oh, I've okay. done a, a coaching um, award with CTC and Ian Warby down in the Surrey Hills. Um so in between some of the races, I'd get people coming up. Oh, I heard you do a bit of coaching. Can, can, can we do a weekend? Can we do a day? Yeah. And um, obviously now we're having, having a little one. It'd be nice to spend a little bit more time at home. So um, I, was, I, pl- I was planning on racing the British rounds and stuff this year and then coaching in and around that. But obviously now we're in lockdown. Um, yeah. Not much that's happening. That's, happening. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we're on the podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's why we come on these great podcasts. <laughs> so, um, yeah, not much is happening at the minute, but just getting some ideas ready for when we do come out of it. Um, so yeah. what's the main driver for starting your coaching business, sort of having more time with the kids, or was it kind of something that's always been in the back of your mind that you've transitioned into? Why? What was the final point where you said, right, I'm stopping racing and I'm starting doing this? Um... I think last year I had all the support that I needed to perform. Um, okay. The bike, we still could have, well, the bike was getting faster throughout the year. So we still could have, I think it still could have got a few more seconds out of over the winter and been in a good place for, for this following year. Yeah. Um, but as, as that got scrapped and then I thought, do I, I don't really want to go backwards now. I've been on so many good teams the last few years. Um, and then now again with a little one it's great to be working with some UK brands instead um, so with Privateer they're quite a new up and coming company so yeah. to be working with them from from kind of day one as such I mean not a day one because they, they're already working with Matt Stuttard anyway but to come yeah. in fairly early with a brand um, it feels like going back to the new proof day really with Chain Reaction yeah 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 and helping build in a brand like that way. And that's kind of exciting, really. So, so how uh, did you get involved with Privateer Bikes then? So I, pre- I know a lot of people listening might not have heard of them and might not know that much about them. No, uh, neither neither had I until last year, until Matt uh, stood up was on one racing some of the EWS rounds. Um, yeah. So, yeah, in the winter, I was kind of looking throughout what brands I can approach and kind of work with um given my background um and um tom who's one of the the, the founders there kind of emailed back 
straight away and said, yeah, it would be interesting talking. Had a phone call with Tom. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the down in Sussex, so it's not too far. Um, yeah. Like I said, UK-based. Uh, Tom, I actually knew from when I was younger, which my memory, probably from too many concussions, I kind of... <laughs> So I apologise <laughs> to him on, on that one. But uh, Tom being an engineer, he come and lived up, I guess he was doing um, uh, work for his uni, what's it called, placement, Yeah. for a year, up in Telford. So um, yeah, he was doing that at the time, and then I guess he went away. It's called, uh, it's actually called the Rider Fern. I think they've got Hunt Wheels, um, mm-hmm. Privateer Bikes, and a few other brands uh, that are up and coming. So um, yeah. Yeah, great little outfit. I was actually meant to go and meet them and learn a bit more about the the brand and, and the company uh, two weeks ago, but obviously okay. we can't we can't move yeah. at all. So um, yeah, yeah. At, at least that's something to look forward to. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they just had bikes arrive last week, so the one six one, their enduro bike. So I think they're getting them shipped out to everyone now. So hopefully, oh, um, nice. Next week we should be seeing a bit of a pro build that we're putting together. Right, bro. And, uh, yeah, that should be out. Oh, that'd be uh, nice to see. Then it'd be nice for you to be able to get out on the hills then and uh, <laughs> test out the new bike. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it'd be an excuse to go off road again. I've been trying to keep it a bit calm and safe and just going out on the road bike at the minute. Yeah. And I think um, everyone's kind of got a bit a bit sensible, not to anything. Yeah, no, I'll do yeah, totally agree. Should... I yeah, well, no, I'm the same. Like I said, like, I don't have a road bike. I've just got my mountain bike. But a lot of the trails I've been riding have been like way more chilled out and sensible and just doing a short loop. I think it's important to get out and ride for kind of your mental sanity as much as your physical health. But like you say there, you've got to keep it sensible, haven't you? And just keep it chilled out, not take any risks. Yeah, for sure. I'm loving, there's a lot of people at the minute doing, obviously they're doing interviews online, but they're doing how-tos. Um, yeah. But they're all in their back garden or they're doing races around their kitchen table on their bikes and all sorts it is pretty yeah <laughs> and um yeah it's a, w- a weird time for sure <laughs> well i think out of a nice way to go next with you obviously i've got a million questions i can ask you but it's nice for everybody to know a little bit more about your background you mentioned uh goal setting is important to you and obviously yep. when you were racing you, you mentioned that that was a big thing for you so just tell me a little bit more about why goal setting is important to you and how you've used it in the past um yeah, I mean, this was probably going to come into where it was going to... I was going to put this in, Matt, really, where... Um, Go for it, you're fine. Yeah, tips for good riders who want to get okay. better. I was going to... Let's put, start with that, that's fine. Okay, yeah. Shall we go with that? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, mate, yeah, you go ahead, don't worry. Okay, right. <laughs> so yeah, tips for... <laughs> tips for good riders who want us to get even... Well, tips... Uh, say that again. <laughs> Tips for good riders who want to get better. Um, the goal setting, I think, is a massive part of that. Um, if you haven't got, say, an end goal, you can have. It's hard. You kind of get blurred a little bit. But if you yeah. have got an end goal, you you set little ones like a daily task, a weekly task, and you just knock them off as and when as yeah. and when you achieve them. Um, yeah, coming back to how you get a rider a good rider even faster i was going to say about analyzing everything um look for small gains uh in every part of uh, yeah. ride the riding aspect the preparation aspect 
the nutrition. Um, again, the sports psychologist nowadays, you hear the likes of Lloyd Bruni, uh, one of the top downhill guys, um, mentioning sports, sports psychologists quite a lot. Um, yeah. Building a team around you. And this is not this is not like a big team, like a downhill team. You could build a family team. I can remember when I was younger, my family, I'd say, we would eat microwave meals. <laughs> we <would> eat, <laughs> um, but I then, as I got older, I kind of did a lot of research myself and learned, okay, what's proper nutrition? Um, yeah. That helped turn my family around to eat better. So your mom yeah. is part of the team because she's making you healthier meals. Um, y- your dad is helping you. So it's like a different different team aspect for different levels of rider. If you go, if you yeah, that's int- yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So for a lot of people listening, the family around them is part of their part team. of their team. Isn't exactly. It? That's how always. That's how I'd always set it up and kind of yeah. Um. Yeah, that's about it, really. For. So what kind of goals did, um, what sort of goals, did, I know I'm just putting you on the spot now, but what kind of goals did you use to set for yourself then? So did you used to set like a long-term goal of like, here's what I want to achieve in six months or was it very week to week for you? Like, how did you used to do it? Um, it different stages of my career, I'd set different ones, you see. I mean, I was quite nerdy in the aspect that um, I'd love working with numbers. Yeah. So... In the gym, like your, your background, I guess you you can log it all. You can see progress. Um, I would like doing that on the bike using like a watt meter, a power crank, um, yeah. power wheel. Um, so you're hitting sprints one week. Try and you replicate the same sprints in a, in a month's time, and then kind of setting goals that Compare way. Compare the numbers. Yeah. yeah, there was that. But then results wise, there was goals. Um, I can remember just wanting to qualify when I went to World Cup, Cup my first World Cup. So, like, right, just want to qualify. I'm a junior, yet to qualify yeah. top 80 in the world, which um, was pretty hard. <laughs> I'd say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, just setting goals like that. I mean, first of all, it was top 80. Let's qualify, and then get a year under your belt, learn everything, learn the craft, and then hit another year uh, then it was like right top 40 top 30 and then it was yeah. top 20 and then it was top 20 for a few years <laughs> got, stuck, yeah. got stuck on top 20 um, seven years of being top 20 and um, did you used to uh, uh, amongst all of that did you used to have a long-term goal of right I want to be number one or did you always think so did you look like a head like as far you know into the distance without putting a date on it or did you just look, this year I want to be top 30, and then the year after I want to be top 20? Does that no, make sense? Yeah, no, no, definitely. That's where um, having uh, Will Longdon as the man... Um, it's weird. So I was with Will Longdon, my first pro deal. Well, first deal, I'd say, as, as, as a kid. Um, and then uh, I could come back to him in 2014 to ride for Madison. Yeah. He was also running that team. And he introduced me to a sports psychologist called David Doy. Um, he's actually up your way. I don't know where he is. Buxton. Okay, yeah, that's not too far. But yeah, yeah. He's in Buxton. And um, Dave was actually, he was really good. And um, we just talked. I would say qualifying at a World Cup. I'd, I'd always perform really well in qualifying. Um, be like top 10. 
and then yeah. I'd maybe put a bit too much pressure on myself and then ride safe and then end up disappointed because I'd gone backwards on the results sheet. So yeah. myself and Dave, we like goals in terms of everything you're going to do, do it 100%, whatever it is, yeah. everything 100%. Um, so there's no kind of regrets then. You, you give everything. It, yeah, the best man wins. Um, but that year, myself and Dave, we kind of set out, right, we want to become in top 10 in these first races. Yeah. And then by the end of the year, we want to or we want to get one or two podiums throughout the year. And then the end goal was world champion. Uh, yeah. In 2014. So okay. I had set that was, that was but that was from three years ago when sorry when I first chatted to him. Yeah. Um so um yeah, it was a long term plan. So you set that long term goal and then chunked it down into short term goals to hit yes. to actually get you there. Exactly. You. Yeah. So it was top twenty, top fifteen, top ten. And then end of fourteen when we got that first podium and it was just before World Champs, it was like, oh second at a World Cup, as like my stars yeah. are aligning here, we'll go to Yeah, Norway. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll go to Norway and we'll win World <laughs> Champs. But uh, then ended up massive crash in practice. Uh, uh, actually doing some damage to my back and then popping so many pills I was throwing up before the start and ended up nothing. Which is not you say ninth in the world, it sounds and great, back. but from the week before when we were second, it was <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, a bitter one to swallow, shall we say? But yeah, yeah. setting goals—it's it, it, massive in terms of your strength training, day-to-day life. Um, I wanted to own my own house by say thirty and things like that. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think you work harder as well when you have a goal, different goals like that to aim towards, don't you? Like you say, like you just mentioned, like having the house, like that all ties into your work and everything together, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think a nice sort of area to chat about next, and it's probably the ones that I've warned you about as well, so I'm not just throwing you on to the seventh <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what do you, there's a lot of mountain bikers who are listening to this who are beginners, and there'll be a lot of people coming to the sport now with corona. I, I was speaking to someone the other day who um, works for a large bike company, and they said bike sales were up 700% since the start of corona. So it's right. like seven yeah. times the amount of bike sales. That's road bikes and like commuters and every type, but 700%. Yeah. So naturally, great. that's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'll be through the roof. So that's going to be bringing a lot of beginners to our sport. So... What kind of tips do you have for beginner riders? Just anything that you can think of, really, for the beginners out there who want to improve every aspect of the riding. Yeah, I mean, that's what we, we, I've been looking at quite a bit recently. Um, mm. We're trying to set up a, a beginner's course now with Forestry. Well, I'm trying to work with Forestry England um, so we can use some of their blue and red routes around here at Hopton and Eastridge. Uh, Hopton's great because it's got the blue family run. So for the beginner, okay. it'd be perfect. Um, yeah. but I think the the basics you got to start at the basics you can't go from zero to hero in one day you can't say I want to go and jump a big double or do a wheelie it's yeah. doing the basics and doing them well that's the foundation point so um, first of all I mean when I have had some of the younger uh, kids come to me at the minute we will do like things like brake modulation so learning how your front and rear brake works um, okay yeah and just stuff like that so when we do get on a trail that's maybe a bit more gradient uh fed they'll, they'll learn yeah. 
their front actually will slow them down a bit more than the back rather yeah. than and then moving their weight about trying to get their tyres to bite in a bit more um, lifting the front wheel this can be done from either laying a stick on the ground some cones um, just practice picking the front wheel up so again pulling on the handlebars moving weight slightly towards the, the rear of the bike um, and then that progression so just to stay on that point a second sorry yep. to interrupt you before you move on to the next one I think that would be useful so right now this is probably some, something people can do in the back garden as well you just put some sticks out and then practice riding up to it and lifting your front wheel over it is that what you're saying exactly that yeah, so then when we do get onto a trail and there's either a hole, a route or something that you don't want to hit with the front end, yeah, and it's a lot easier to absorb with your legs, the bigger limb, say, rather than your arms. You can pull up yeah. with your arms, soak the trail in and then push over, either get a backside to generate more speed. Um, yeah. And the garden is perfect at the minute uh, to practice that. Um, that'll, that'll then move us into, again, lifting both wheels. Uh, this yeah. is where you see a lot of people that maybe have started clipped in have some bad habits. So we have to break that down and, uh, and look into that. But um, a, a bunny hop, which if I explain to your listeners now, is when both of your wheels come off the ground at the same time. Um, that's using a push and a pull. So either compressing your suspension if you've got some, or using your limbs to push and then pull. Um, yeah. That is going to, again, that's the foundation for someone who's wanting to jump later on down the line. So you're pushing yeah. to a takeoff to help. But again, these are just the starting points. Um, cornering techniques, flat corners, may you may need to weight your outside foot, dip a heel, uh, a berm turn, which is a banked up corner. Um, you can stay pedals level and help generate more yeah. speed through through pumping the bike uh, and looking around the turn. Um, these are all just the, the beginner's level, I'd say, type of, of stuff we work on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, things like your saddle height for people that are wanting to climb, descend. Um, people that are wanting to climb, make sure it's, it, it's high enough. Uh, people that are descending, make sure it's out of the way that you can move forward, backwards, on the bike yeah um, yeah yeah that's about it really yeah, that, that, that's great i <laughs> think one big I'm talking nonsense <laughs> yeah. no 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 it's so brilliant and that's why i'm just letting you talk it's all ideal this yeah. um, no don't worry <laughs> the, i think the biggest thing to take from all that as well is that it's about learning the basics isn't it so obviously you've mentioned quite a few of the basics that you can learn and that's great for people to you know beginners listen into this could maybe play back that section and just make a note of all the things you've said there so things like yeah. your cornering getting the front wheel up your bunny hopping make a note of all those and then you know learn them one by one by one because you need to learn those basics before you then go on to doing all the advanced stuff and i think maybe a lot of people will try to start at the red or the black downhill before they've learned to corner yeah. properly yeah, exactly and that's what i find on a lot of the coaching that i am doing um is people are coming and they're saying we want to ride, yeah, like you say, the reds, the blacks. But I'm, I'm kind of, I have to kind of take them a step back before they can move forward. So it's like yeah, yeah. two steps back, one step forward. Um, that, and that's totally it. It is getting the basics good and doing them yeah. really good. And, and then that'll help them move forward 
Yeah. And I think what you've said there about doing it incrementally, I mean, I've told this story a few times on the podcast, but when I got into mountain biking again, five, six years ago, something like that, I tried to just fake it till I made it. <laughs> so I used to uh, <laughs> yeah. point myself down a hill, just let off the brakes and then go for it. And literally every ta- every ride, I was falling off four or five times a ride, every single ride without fail. But I was like, well, <laughs> just keep yeah. trying to do it. Just keep trying to do it. It's going to come together. But in the end, I ended up having a mad massive crash like blew my front tire all ripped my neck off and then ended up um, tearing that tearing a ligament in my ankle and putting myself on crutches and then I was kind of like you know what? maybe maybe this isn't working maybe I should go back learn the basics trying to like build up slowly and then my riding since then like obviously several years ago we just improved immeasurably because now I try with everything that I do on my riding I try to build it up step by step by step rather than just go from beginner to advanced if you know what I mean yeah and that, yeah, that's why that's why we've um, for the confidence stuff as well. Um, practice, yeah, practice, about practice runs building up. Um, don't just feel like you need to go straight in and do something. Uh, visualizing it, go yeah. through the section that you're going to ride. Um, again, this is good. So this is for people confidence. who. Um who want to improve the confidence on the trails is that what you're saying so maybe your beginners any normal riders people in general who want to improve confidence this is some tips for that yeah exactly so yeah if you're going to build if you want to build up to an obstacle on the on the trail um say things running through visualizing it uh practice runs warm up yeah. don't just feel like you need to throw yourself in uh get comfortable yeah and get some confidence under you before you start um yeah yeah that's all i got for that's that. good because i think a lot <laughs> yeah. of people uh, oh that's perfect i think a lot of people when it comes to improving your confidence a lot of people will they'll feel that there's right there's let's say there's a drop on a trail and most people just go and ride a downhill you might ride around that drop and then just carry on and say oh i'll do that next time but yeah. actually what you're saying there a really good idea might be to stop and just do several run-ins to it and stop exactly. at the top and that's it practice it that way yeah that's it for sure. And that's um, coaching a young lad uh, the other week at Revolution, uh, the bike park. Um, this is like double blacks now we're working on with him. He's uh, 13, uh, nice. young lad Milan. And um, some of the drops there, I think he was phased by. But it was only when we actually stopped, looked at him, broke him down, and then ticked him off one by one. And then we, and then we worked at linking the whole track up. Okay. And just by doing that, as you say, it's better to, rather than, I think it's better just to stop, look at something. I mean, I found that with the racing. If you're struggling on a section, stop and watch riders and okay. see how they do it. It, it, it. It's better to learn from watching. Um, and this is where I'll come to, say, filming yourself. Yeah. Um, and when I mentioned, when I talked to you before about they have mirrors in a gym and it's to spot bad form. Um, yeah. It's the same on same on the bike. Um, stopping and watching or filming yourself, it's to spot bad habits, bad form. Um, working with with your friends if you're out on a trail, watching your friends if they're better than you. Yeah. Watch out! Watch how they're kind of tackling some of the more technical stuff. And uh, I'm sure they'll be there to uh, take the piss and give you a bit of uh, <laughs> encouragement along the way as well. 
Yeah, but that's a really good point. You, you, you're exactly right. Like in the in every gym you go to, there's mirrors on the walls so that you can watch yourself. Contrary to popular belief, it's not for checking out your bicep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although some but people may use it for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you want to do the same thing on the bike. So going out riding and getting your mate. I know this was obviously a tip you gave me on the phone there a couple of days ago. But getting a mate to film you on a section of trail is great to be able to break down how you look. Um, yeah. I've done a bit of coaching with, you know Elliot Heap? Uh, ah, yes, yeah. So I've done a couple of days coaching with Elliot and he always does the same and it was when he was teaching me how to manual, or trying to teach me how to manual I should say. Yeah. <laughs> and he, um, I was thinking that my bum was like touching the back wheel and yeah. he filmed me and it was like half a metre off, yeah. like it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> because when he showed me like in my head, I had the perfect manual technique and then he shows you the video and the front wheel's actually only a little bit off the ground and your bum is nowhere near where you think it is. So see, I know for me, like being able to actually see that made a really big difference and now my technique is miles better because of it because as we kept practicing and then I got a couple with like the technique being good, you film that and you can compare the two then. Exactly, yeah. I mean, coming on to to how to learn to wheelie and manual. um, Yeah, that... That segues nicely, that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. Um, I mean, what, what I tend to do as well is um, we go on like a fire road and a little bit of gradient. And um, again, using either a stick, a marker, just so you can start at a starting point and yeah. work on pulling with the bars, moving your weight back, dipping your heels. It's kind of a, a pull and a push at the same time with your legs and yeah. your arms. Uh, I tell you what I've, I, I've noticed recently as well. Uh, GMBN, you know, Blake has been building yeah, yeah. them little wooden, uh, they're like little they wheelie wild, they? And they're yeah. great because I just seen, um, I think it's Pin TV, his young lad yeah. Todd. Um, I see him manually down a whole fire road. I don't know. If, I think he'd been using one of these tools. Oh just wow! To, just to help find your balance point. Yeah. And obviously, it, when you're in one of them. Um, the little, I, don't, I don't know what they're called. I'm going to say. A I know exactly what you mean. No, you put your back wheel in it, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm but sure everyone listening has probably seen them on social media. <laughs> yeah. But um, them, you don't have to use your back brake. Yeah. But that's when I was going to say, when you're out on the trail, you want to be covering your back brake. Obviously, yeah. for if you are about to loop out off the back of the bike, if you pulled a little bit too hard, you yeah. past the balance point. Um yeah, so that's it really. Cover the brakes. Um, fire roads are great. Um, and, ju- and just practice at the end of the day with a wheelie and a manual. It is just going out and practice. And this time that we've got in lockdown is perfect for practicing. Yeah. If you've got a bit of ground in your garden. Um, a soft yeah, a bit, bit of soft grass. You don't... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bit of soft grass. You don't mind landing on your back on. Yeah. But um, yeah. That's it, really. That's a great tip. So, would you say that obviously you've mentioned the technique for learning how to wheelie a manual, but it sounds like you think that a lot of it is just practice over and over and over and the repetition to be able to nail it? It for sure. That's the same with everything. Um, again, you're not going to go from zero to hero overnight. It, it is practice with everything. It's yeah. I can imagine it's the same with you in a gym. You can't just go in and lift um, yeah, X true. amount of weight. Yeah, you need to start from a base and then and then build it up. Um, yeah, it's the same with riding your bike for sure. And um, yeah, practice makes perfect. 
Yeah. Or, or close to, anyway. <laughs> never get, you can never hit perfect. Never get perfect. <laughs> <laughs> can always keep trying, though. Yeah. So, um, I thought a nice one to go into next. We've obviously chatted already about how, sort of good riders and how they can improve even more. I think we may be... Um, there was a couple more tips I think you briefly mentioned, but then we started talking about goal setting. So the original question for this, for those listening, is there'll be, we've talked about beginners, but there'll yeah. be a lot of people listening to this who are already good riders, who are already yeah. fairly fast on the downhills, and they want to go from, you know, from fast to even better. So I mentioned on the phone, it's probably for you, for example, when you're trying to go from 20th to 10th, the the gap the margin is tiny so how do people who are already good get even better and we kind of briefly went through a few points but i think it might be nice to repeat a few of them and uh, maybe elaborate a little bit yeah for sure um obviously after lockdown and everyone's gonna be so eager to ride with their mates that is a perfect starting point because okay. everyone's gonna be uh itching to um show their speed again and uh yeah keep up with the faster riders. So riding with riders that are faster will help pull you along. Yeah. Just, uh, riders that are good, if they've got anyone they know who's faster, try and latch onto the back of them and follow down, follow them down a trail or up a trail and, and see what works and what they're doing different to you. Um, Analyse everything in terms of what your nutrition, training, your bike setup, um, your preparation running up to an event if you're going to do racing um, even going out for a ride yeah. so many things you can kind of you can make small gains in, in a lot of areas um, yeah having... so it's all about when you're already good from the sound of that sorry yeah. just before you go on to the next one it's about just trying to make the small improvements in every little area so improving your nutrition a little bit improving yeah, exactly. your bike setup a little bit yeah Everything, everything down to sleep and everything, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a big uh, That's it, yeah. If you want to get it serious, everything down to sleep, <laughs> down to sleep. Uh, um, Have a coach that you work with, uh, not just technical, but also a fitness coach. Um, yeah. So the likes of yourself. Um, nice plug. In, yeah. <laughs> we dipped into it already, the sports psychologist uh, and, and the food nutrition. Um, yeah, all of them things really are just going to add up. And then... Yeah. Don't just expect a miracle overnight. It, it takes time. Um, mm. <laughs> I kind of, I guess I'm living proof of that over 14 years. Yeah, it does take time. I mean, there's a few guys that come in, but they've all, they've always they've come in, come into the sport of downhill. There's the likes of say Aaron Gwynn, but he's already done disciplines other than downhill. He's done like motocross. He's done BMX. So he's already yeah. quite competitive. He's quite switched on. He knows how to prepare. He knows how to train. He's just crossing over to a different discipline, so um, yeah, it's it's still two wheels, but um, yeah. Yeah, I think really. on that what you just said then about not expecting to sort of get amazing overnight. I know for for you, you've obviously always had your results on the downhill. Like that will massively just give you a number, and you know how well you're doing. Yeah. Probably for a lot of people listening to this, myself like especially, use Strava a lot just oh, to see yeah. like my fitness for the climbs and my fitness and speed on the descents. And yeah. you can sort of week to week, you might not notice that you're getting better. But if I look back at my Strava times compared to 12 months ago, you can ride a track 
trail at a pretty chilled out pace or what feels at a chilled out pace and you've taken like 30 seconds off a three minute descent like the difference <laughs> is huge so often yeah. like you don't notice the difference until you compare your times from maybe now to 12 months ago and think oh wow like there's a huge difference yeah it's amazing what you say there though about being chilled so it, it, yeah coming back to the the preparation side of it if if you're arriving somewhere late and stressed then yes. that's going to already set you on the back foot kind of thing. That is how, you probably won't know this, but that's how I broke my wrist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, that Literally what you just said there, like I, I had a ride, I had maybe five hour slot on a Saturday and I decided, yeah. right, instead of riding from my front door, I'm going to go to Gisborne Forest, which is about an hour and a half drive away. So I shot down the motorway and on the way I was already rushing and then I yeah. rushed around the trail and you know when you just feel that you're rushed and stressed and checking yeah, the clock? Yeah, yeah. Did a really easy corner, washed out on a berm and ended up snapping my wrist and it was like operation and obviously off the bike for ages. But that was like the, the sole reason for me doing that. It wasn't a difficult trail. It was because I was rushing. So yeah. you, you you nailed that one, I agree. Yeah. I mean, this is why, just, again, this is from another uh, another coach who was our um, Phil Dixon who worked with us on a, on a, a daily basis. Uh, and um, that was kind of everything he looked into as well with us. Uh, and the team that I was on at the time was um, being prepared and stuff right. like that. In terms of, say, a warm-up into a race, um, we'd have a time for everything. So a time yeah. that you started your warm-up, you work back from your start time. So a time yeah. that you got off the bike ready for your race run, a time that you got on your turbo trainer, uh, even allowing time to visualise the track. And so it was literally, okay. you didn't have to think, you just did it. And yeah. that's the best way how to perform. You, you just do it. Okay. It becomes natural. And then outside of that, again, this is where um, more smaller gains, we practice that warm up outside of racing. So it becomes natural. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, these are all little things when you get better. It's again, it's the smaller, finer details that you need to look into. Yeah. So, uh, yeah for sure yeah. no that's a great tip i agree i think getting that that pre-ride routine for a lot of riders maybe who don't race listening to this like if you have a routine that you do every time before you head out for a ride that can definitely help you can't yeah. it oh i think in these current times as well a routine is going to keep you sane yeah <laughs> so yeah I totally agree <laughs> if you think well if you've got kids like i have now i even need to get out really early or i go in the evening and it's quite yeah. nice at the minute where it feels like we're actually in summer for once in the UK, or yes. even though it's only yeah, yeah. April. But yeah. um, just allowing yourself maybe an hour, a ride every day. I mean, they say you're allowed, I don't know what, what the rules are, yeah there isn't actually like an official rule but there isn't like anything official out there but i think most people are saying like an hour an hour and a half is like a fair amount of time to do yeah but they say it's not your typical exercise well you i don't know yeah (laughs) could be an eight hour ride yeah Yeah. yeah, but again just being safe with, with that really yeah um yeah what are we on i think that's amazing there's well, Glenn, you were about to go into. I was going to say, I think a nice way to kind of um, to end sort of the podcast would be if there's any overriding tips that you've not mentioned already that you feel the people listening to this podcast, and it can be anybody from a beginner right up to a you know semi-pro rider. What are some overriding tips that you might want to end with, or anything that you've not mentioned that you kind of want to want to say that could help the people listening? Um, I mean, for for your day to day people i think it's just being prepared and yeah. um 
like I say, not going out with your, your water, your either banana, um, a flapjack bar, something that's just going to give you a bit of energy during a ride. Yeah. Um, there's that. I mean, you've got you, you go into your bike, your tools. Do you take a spare yeah. tube? You don't want to be relying on someone to come in and get you, especially at the minute. Social yeah. distancing. If you're stuck an hour away somewhere, you don't want to be getting a taxi home. Yeah. Um, and then your your more your better idea, professional. I say professional. Just you, you, the guys that races. Um, attention to detail. Um, how does it, uh, just do the basics really well? I yeah. Think. Um, I can't kind of touch on that enough, but don't overcomplicate over it either. Okay. Just just do the basics really well, and um, they'll just become natural. Yeah. And uh, again, that'll just help build the speed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a really really good tip to end on. So. Yeah. <laughs> Nail the basics and make really good at them, and then don't overcomplicate it. I think yeah. that's a really, really good point to end on. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, for those sort of listening to this podcast, uh, there'll be a lot of people listening to this now or watching on YouTube who might want to come and do some coaching with you when when this is all over. So, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and how to work with you? Um, yeah, if they get over to, uh, well, I've got ProlineMTVCoaching.com, which is uh, yeah. which is our website. Um, later on in the year I've organised um, a day with RideSouthernSpain.com we're doing in November yeah. we're doing a holiday package so um, that's November 14th to 21st whether we're out of this um, these weird times we'll yet to see but uh, we've got like a holiday package and a coaching uh, week which would be good for people to, to get on and uh, a good excuse especially to, um, if they've not had their uh, summer holiday <laughs> Exactly. That's it. Exactly. So uh, that's in November, is it? Sorry, the uh, the ride southern Spain. So you're going away for a week, aren't you, and doing a, a riding holiday with coaching as well? Is that right? Yeah, it's kind of an ad hoc thing. So their guides, uh, Andrew, and um, and his partner, I think they'll be out there guiding, um, fully catered for the week. And um, yeah. I think it is be a, a good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to. It. I haven't, haven't been. I mean, I've been to parts of Malaga before, but not to their place. So I think we're going okay. to be guide, They're going to be guided, and then I'm going to be doing ad hoc coaching as and when, say the clients might need it on the trails. Um, yeah. And just hanging out for a week with uh, with people who enjoy riding bikes. Really, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. where can people find about that? Is that on your website, or your Instagram, uh, or if they can contact ridesofthespain.com, uh, contact Andrew through that. Um, there's also Instagram, yeah. which is Proline Proline MTV Coaching, uh, for Facebook, Instagram, uh, and also I think uh, Rise of the Spain. Andrew's got the same uh, for there okay. for there on Instagram as well. Um, yeah, that's about it, really. That's perfect. Well, for those listening who want to, I'll, I'll either go to your website or your Instagram, or if you want to check out that riding holiday as well at the end of the year. If you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the description. If you're listening to the podcast, then it'll also be in the description. So just go and click those links and check it out. But uh, thanks so much for your time, Matt. I've really enjoyed it. And I know a lot of people listening will have taken a ton out of it as well. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, Cheers fella. Hopefully, uh, have to get together for a ride. At some point. Yeah, man, for sure. I think I might be booking up some coaching. <laughs> <laughs> right, so. Sounds good. Come on, Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Nice one.
Yeah, I'll make sure I'm not late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Ta-da.